0: Well, welcome back to another episode of Red Tinted Glasses. Your therapy session is now underway. Callum, I think you might need that after being in attendance at Dens Park on Saturday evening.
1: It was a miserable hour for what I was there. and um, The whole day was miserable, honestly. The weather was terrible. And then the football just made it even worse. Um, this is going to be fun. Going to be fun, but overall, do you think a six o'clock kickoff project? Do you think
0: it would work despite the failure of the? You know, it was aimed at in the international market, but the US market decided to opt for Motherwell v Celtic on TV instead. But the the six p.m. kickoff, in terms of day out and atmosphere, do you think that was an overall overall success?
1: Yeah, we had a good time. Um a nice nice <laughs> few hours in the pub for the game, which helped when you need to watch that kind of rubbish. Um so if they want to do that from now on, that's very good. But I suppose when it comes to travelling further away, I will not be happy when it comes to if it was a six PM kickoff in like Glasgow or something. But when it's Dundee, something like that, yeah, it seemed to work a treat, to be fair. Yeah, fine short trip, but here we go, ten in a
0: row, ten games without defeat. Um Celtic failed to get to ten in a row, but Stephen Glass, has guy who does to ten games without win, not really the stat that we are after. And obviously, um, we did hear, well, I heard on the uh, audio uh, watching the game at home, the, the chance of sacked in the morning. Stephen Glass heard that loud and clear from from the touchline. We're going to come to it, but one man that we've not heard a lot of from recently is the chairman uh, Mr Dave Cormack who's been quite radio silent but we're delighted that he's managed to give us an exclusive clip of his thoughts of the game at the weekend Absolute crap uh, Thank you very much there Dave it's always great to hear your your insight and you know if you want to you know, delve more into your thoughts on recent events I'm sure many fans are you know, hoping to hear from you in, in some way. And I'm sure a lot of those thoughts won't be taken out of context as you seem to think they they may be. Mm-hmm. But Callum, it seems to be a habit of us just now, dishing out first wins of the season. That's St Johnston, St Minnan and now Dundee. Mm-hmm.
1: It's not great, is it? Not a great record to be keeping up, but um, we seem to be doing it. And in some ways it was sort of inevitable, wasn't it? I think I saw somewhere <laughs> that they hadn't won... They hadn't, well, was it you that said that they hadn't won a league game since 2004 um, well we, they, hadn't, they hadn't beaten us at yeah, Dens since yeah.
0: 2004 and we'd won 12 straight league encounters against them so yeah I think all my positive stats have mm. positively backfired
1: yeah well I just think the way the season's going after you said that I was like right well wow. yeah. that's definitely going to happen isn't it I know <laughs> would you look at that it did yeah in quite a
0: spectacular fashion as well but We'll look at the team users as we always do to, to start things off. We saw our first outing of the centre-back pairing of David Bates and Declan Gallagher due to uh, illness for Ross McCrory. I was quite happy seeing both of them paired up and I thought what could go wrong but second half proved what could go wrong with them. Um, but on the whole, how do you think they fared?
1: Um, I think slightly better in the, in the first half than obviously they did in the second half or what I saw of the second half for that matter. And um, mm-hmm. having said that, I mean, oh my goodness, it did end disastrously. I say end disastrously with that David Bates stepping out and playing Griffiths side, But we'll get on to that. Um, I think, it, I mean, we had no choice other than to try it. But things haven't been going well with any partnership really so far this season. And it appears that this one's going to carry on in that fashion. I think my positivity has been sapped and it, it's not taking that long. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, Fraser Walsh did text me and said, Good luck to Callum keeping up his levels of enthusiasm uh, on this episode. And I think uh, it's already being tested uh, in the early stages. And then we should say, you know, you only, you've said you only saw 60 minutes. You, of course, were at the game. Mm. But, you know, had I, you know, likewise, as you've been at the game, would have probably walked out at 2 you, 0. You know, you, you've still gone back and watched the highlights and are more than capable of giving your opinion on the game. But look, you know, we're two fans that do this as a laugh. We're paying fans, and if we're not enjoying what we're seeing, we are out on what we're seeing. But um, learning our lessons from last season and still making sure we put ourselves through any highlights that we may or may not have missed...
1: Very true, although I did, when I got back on that bus after the game, I was thinking, why the hell do we bother paying money and wasting time to see this shite, basically? And it's the thing is
0: it's 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 what we do. It's it's a way of life and no matter how many times we're we're put down in the dumps, we keep coming back for more and we're gonna be going back for more on Saturday at uh at Ptodre against Hibbs and we'll be delighted to be joined by Michael Monin later on in that episode to, to preview that encounter. But looking at um, more at the team news, Funjo Ojo in from his injury absence to replace. They replaced my longstaff in that starting lineup, and Ryan Hedges coming in for Austin Samuels, who surprisingly didn't feature at all on Saturday. Um, whether that was down to injury or you know a tactical decision, but I thought it was very surprising given you know his performance levels so far this season. But a welcome return for Ryan Hedges um, from an Aberdeen point of view, albeit um, didn't have any bearing on the result overall.
1: Yeah, I mean it's good to see Ryan Hedges back in the starting lineup. Although, however, given his performances so far this season, when he has played, and um, not been up to the standards last season, obviously a contract up at the end of this season, has he got one eye on? Has uh, his heart already moved? Has he already gone? His head, mm. sorry. Um, and then, yeah, Austin Samuels, who seems to be performing quite well, okay, lashing balls across the box, whatever. But it's creating some sort of chance. And um, no, didn't feature whatsoever, which seemed uh rather bizarre did not come off the bench and um, confusing i would like to see him hedges and ramirez as a front three and um, give them a run of games see if well if we can give them a run of games obviously depending on fitness and see how that goes but no it doesn't seem to be happening so i'll just shut up and stop complaining about it and enjoy this nonsense
0: this roller coaster of emotion and results that we seem to be strapped into this season. But I think all the more surprising given the way Austin Samuels has played when we then deploy Funzo Ojo back into his wing mm. winger role that just did not pay off um, this weekend and for Dundee they saw the return or welcome return for them definitely of Charlie Adam who had a huge impact on the outcome of the game dominating the midfield battle up against Scott Brown I think we're going to come on to I've gotten the talking points later on the show Scott Brown's leadership qualities and are they severely lacking as well this season um, and they also um, got the benefit of Lee Griffiths starting up front after his um, suspension um, disciplinary hearing for the Flair incident against Johnson was postponed and well you just knew that as soon as he was available what he was going to pose a threat and it was just all the more inevitable as you said based on my stats but it was all the more inevitable that Lee Griffiths was going to be on the score sheet as well
1: I mean even though his patchy form over recent years and questionable off the, off the pitch antics to say the least and mm. um, it he always seems to turn up against us and somehow uh, get on that score sheet. Obviously, we know that too well from uh, last season with our late equaliser. Um, Good point. Um, it was, it was always going to happen. He seems to just haunt us all the time. And it was even more, it was even worse. The fact you know, it was, most of the fans have spent most of the, t- the day um, having a go at him once again for those off the pitch alleged antics whatever however you want to say it and then Mm -hmm. he goes and punishes us and it was in the typical league of this fashion we've seen it so Mm. many times over the years Um, it's very very frustrating but not at all surprising no not at all surprising And on the game
0: itself the first half well if the game was going to be marketed to the American um, audience I think they would have turned off very quickly to find something else to watch because the first half was it's fair to say very dull and very uneventful and um, you know I've I've written down what for me stood out and it was all that was shown on the highlights in the end as well when I watched them back just before we came on to record just to refresh my memory Luke McCowan stinging the hands of Gary Woods inside the opening 90 seconds Um, And then the Christian Ramirez header, which was um, well cleared off the line from Lee Griffiths. But those chances aside, I don't really remember anything of note. And I was actually quite disappointed with the way we approached the game. You know, Victoria had said in our preview episode that Dundee would probably go back to a back four, which is what they did against Rangers and looked a lot more solid. And they, they did that and Charlie Adams was pulling the strings in midfield. And we just couldn't get anything going. I felt I don't know about you being at the game, but you certainly watching at home. I was, yeah, it was it was a very frustrating first forty-five.
1: It was frustrating, and it sort of just echoes the, the previous nine games prior to that. Um, but it seemed it seems at times in those in those run of games, we you know we were, were creating chances. It was more a case of not taking them. Whereas it, at the weekend, it was more of a case of. We couldn't create anything. We could barely get a grip on the game, let alone create anything, which is now mm. growing even more of a concern, given the run of games we're about to go into as well. Um, mm. But no, I would totally agree. Yeah, basically, I think Ferguson had a shot that went wide. as That's the only other thing I can think of. Um And of course, it was Griffiths that headed off the line as well, by the way. Mm. And you barely ever see teams have players on the post. So I'd like to make the point that, that's the benefit of having them there so at least there's that that's the only consolation Yeah because I don't think
0: Legsons was getting across to that um, to, to say that either but I, you know Victoria touched on the importance of Charlie Adam to the Dundee team and he said if he was half of it he was walking into that Dundee team regardless I think you just Saw from that opening 45 how much Dundee have missed him this season. You know some of the balls he was spraying wide was was causing us problems. But also from an Aberdeen point of view, when I look back at what or how Dundee did against St Johnston at the hands of Michael O'Halloran, I was just so disappointed we didn't get the ball on the deck. You're like to Johnny Hayes, Ryan Hedges, and that's why I thought we. You know the you know the decision not to play Austin Samuels was a strange one because the pace and directness caused Dundee problems and we just didn't see that at all in the first half.
1: Not at all. It was very very concerning. I think you're right to mention Charlie Adam again. They're pulling the strings as he came back in. And um, I think for Dundee. If they've got him and Griffiths in a chance, they probably got half a chance in um, quite a few games, given the quality they can produce. But mm-hmm. right, um, we didn't really have a go at them. Up. We didn't stretch them enough um, at all. I uh, think we dominated ball over the sixty percent possession. Then you look at the lack of chances created. It's just a massive <coughs> concern. And mm-hmm. I do, I do agree. I, I would love to see Austin Samuels given a proper run of games um just so so bizarre that he didn't even come off the bench perhaps retiring Dundee uh defense didn't happen, yeah. very concerning.
0: Yeah and you know it's actually um a comment that was brought up after the the preview on, on YouTube. Um So thank you, you know, to those of you that provided feedback there on our YouTube channel. If you're enjoying the content, just remember, as usual, we say hit that like and subscribe button. Thank you to those of you subscribing after that most recent video. But but the point was raised that is is the football we're playing this season, Calm? Is it attacking football or is it, you know, you know, side to side? We're not actually being creative. You you know, you just touched on there about the 67 percent, you know, possession that we were maybe getting from the game but is that just because we're doing a lot of nice passing from one way to another? Are, are we actually creating with this you know, ball retention that we're doing?
1: I think we have seen it, especially at the start of the season. Um, I think we have seen sort of a more of attacking, free-flowing play, but it is a good point to make, especially in that last game. Um, a lot of it was more sort of just ball retention rather than actually going anywhere with it. I think mm-hmm. throughout the spell of these these pro-runner games, there has been signs of that attacking football. Um. Obviously, he hasn't paid dividends, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, I think it. it I think Spass Saturday especially, it is a growing concern that it is more just. We're retaining the ball, retaining possession, and not not doing much with it. Um, I think that sometimes we do miss that lack of directness. I'm not saying hoof the ball up and hope for the best, but a bit more intent, a bit more urgency at times um, is perhaps desired.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of the times it was evident against Celtic. Um. For me, was how often we wanted to recycle the possession by, you know, going back to our centre halves and starting the you know phase of play again, and um, which was rather frustrating when there was maybe a better option uh, in terms of going going forward with the ball, and um, so yeah, first half and what was I think uh, you know gonna always be a, a nervous and a cagey affair given. The, the, the run of form both teams were going into this game on and probably the importance for both James McPig and and Stephen Glass and obviously, you know, the fans of both teams, knowing that getting the three points was going to be, you know, hugely significant in terms of the outlook of their season going into the next run of fixtures. And, you know, something we touched on again in the preview about the importance of the first goal and whether or not, that will lift one set of fans and drag the other down and also give the, the the players that momentum. And you did feel as that first half wore on, that was going to be the case. And you thought, right, we're in at halftime, nil-nil, let's come out and you know put ourselves in the ascendancy. But we were attacking, the The play quickly broke down and Paul McMullen with a terrific ball over the top and Dundee having only scored one in six in coming into this meeting found themselves in front when Lee Griffiths firing through the legs of Gary Woods. Now <clears throat> I don't know about you at the game but certainly the angle being shown on TV seemed to indicate Lee Griffiths was offside um, but you cannot afford a, a player of Lee Griffiths that is the quality he he possesses, and like you, you touched on there, he punished us last season in that that last minute equaliser at Toddry, but punishes again by giving Dundee the lead um, in this game.
1: And it's the type of goal you've seen League the score over and over again over the years, and for some reason, even when he's not been doing so against other sides, he has been doing so against us. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I think it's. It's hard, to, it is very hard to tell from the angle. It was very hard to tell for at the game as well whether he was uh, onside or not. At the time, I didn't think he was offside at all. I just thought, what the hell is Bates doing? And mm. um, I think the TV uh, replays sort of just enhanced that fact. I think, regardless if he is offside or onside, it's still poor defending. It's far too easy. Uh, Griffiths just peeling off. And it's a concern because. Even when we're not scoring goals, you probably think, "Okay, let's try and tighten things up at the back, and it just isn't getting any better at all. Um, It would be nice if we could see a proper replay and see if he was uh, onside or not, but uh, just the camera angles don't allow for that, unfortunately. And he's been given the benefit of the doubt, and that's what tends to happen when there's no VAR involved. But thank God there's no video involved.
0: I'll still say that. Yeah, although I looked back at Sports Scene today to see if they would have a bit of in-depth analysis on the, the camera angle. But who am I to think that there was a bit of quality around Scottish football highlights because, yeah, there was just the same angles that I'd already watched on on the Dundee stream um, that gave no real significance if he was onside or offside. But, you know, we... We were critical of Bates after the Celtic game and you know, we had a bit of backlash from you know, fans that maybe tuned into the episode saying that, you know, it's a bit of a disgrace that we're writing off a defender after only a handful of games. You know, similar was the feedback around, you know, my comments on Matty Longstaff being not up to the pace of Scottish football. And look we're entitled to our own opinions. Those of you tuning in are entitled to yours. That's why we do this. You know, it creates content, it creates argument, discussion, whatever way you want to look at it. But Bates again, you know, doesn't exactly cover himself in glory if he's trying to play that high line, trying to play Lee Griffiths offside and gets it horribly wrong. You know, our our fullbacks are pushed up for a reason that's just created all that space for Lee Griffiths to run into. So, once again, we're probably the victims of our own style of play, is it fair to say?
1: Yeah, so I say success. I was going to say success, but I was quickly trying to think of another word. <laughs> no, no, um, no, yeah, I think Griffiths probably has used his experience and realised um, uh, that, obviously, the fullbacks do go high up and it does leave that buying uh, for him to peel off into. And, uh, yeah, he's punished us. Obviously, Bates does try to step up, gets it wrong. Or whether the linesman gets it wrong, regardless. Um, you got played to the whistle, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Very true, and it it didn't go well, and it's frustrating with Bates because he came on against Motherwell. Was it against Motherwell? He came on and he mm-hmm. looked really, really good. He looked, he looked way better with him uh, in that defence. And then since then, it just has gotten a bit worse. And I suppose there is still, you know, I guess he might still be getting up to speed, having not played for so long for Ham with Hamber. But there's only so long you can use that excuse and mm-hmm. um, so it's not just him Um, you know at times McCrory's been the same i <clears throat> the same and um, probably even the fullbacks at times which I'll afford them um, a bit more leeway given their lack of experience but yeah. um roll on Andy Constein getting back is only the conclusion I can come to which it's not great when you're having to rely on like a 34 year old um now but That's the position we're in, unfortunately. Yeah, is it a coincidence
0: that we have not won a game since his um, injury over in Azerbaijan? And I suppose there's a, you know, we've had our opinion there on Bates. I suppose we should equally, you know, raise some question marks around Gary Woods for that goal. Um, I know there's been a hot topic of who should be our number one. That goal for me, I don't know. I would like to see it again from maybe behind the goal because, you know, it goes through Gary Woods' legs. But that's the type of save I always think Joe Lewis does really well at. You know, those sort of one-on-ones where he comes out, narrows the angle, spreads himself really well. We never really seem to concede a lot of those with Joe Lewis and goals. I, I, you know, and I'm not saying that the reason why that goal went in was because Gary Woods is there. But can you apportion any blame to that? Or do you expect Gary Woods to do better with that
1: shot? Um, I do agree in the fact that it, if it's Joe Lewis you probably expect him to make to save I think it's unfortunate the way it goes through his legs I suppose mm. um, I don't want to put too much blame on Gary Woods uh, I think otherwise other than well, again perhaps second goal maybe because he's in better positioning wise um, but he hasn't really done too much wrong in fact he hasn't really been tested too much yeah. um, since coming in and just seems to be picking the ball out of the back of his net <laughs> uh, I don't know what that says about him but I think in the first place he shouldn't be put in that position, and if he makes a mistake, then it's obviously going to be costly every single time. Uh, yeah, essentially. Which I is think it's, it's, a shame. it's true as well. I suppose
0: when you're going to expose your keeper mm-hmm. to you know opportunities like that from an attacking point of view, you'd you'd be expecting the striker to finish those chances nine times out of ten. Especially you know, one like on one with the keeper. Like as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you know when you're thinking a team that's only scored one in six going in today take the lead. You think, is it going to be our day, of course, knowing our record with clean sheets? I suppose if you're a betting fan, that you know, betting on both teams to score in Aberdeen games, just now you'll be making a good uh, living off of that, or both teams to score no draw, especially because we can't even win games just now. But Dundee continued to put the, their foot down and got a deserved second, really. I think it's fair to say, when Luke McCowan, who I thought had a really good game for the Dark Blues, doubled their lead by pouncing on, let's be honest, some powder puff defending from Aberdeen. Lewis Ferguson hooped a clearance high into the air. Charlie Adam out-jumping and out-muscling Funzo Ojo in the air to win the header. With Luke McCowan picking up the scraps before, playing a neat 1-2 with Jordan McGee and taking the return and burying it past Gary Woods under no real pressure not really into the corner but I'm not sure if Gary Woods is a bit unsighted mm. but my first take from that goal was who the fuck is closing him down and why the fuck does he have so much space um, was really my disappointment in that goal rather than thinking the keeper should do better.
1: The red has descended, yeah. um, no I, I would agree and then it did prompt an immediate um, walk out from the ground towards the bus. But, um, yeah, it's just poor defending. As you say, I think powder puff, very good word to use. Um, just so sort of half-hearted defence. That's That's it, been the case for the whole season, essentially. And it's just half-hearted efforts to sort of put... Not, nobody really putting their body on the line. Nobody mm-hmm. taking the onus upon themselves. And, yeah, I think perhaps Wood, maybe unsighted, I think his position's a bit questionable to start with. But... Um, well worked Dundee goal and they took advantage of our frailties once again.
0: Yeah, and I think you know that you know we're gonna come on to it shortly about the, the questions around Stephen Glass and, and his future. But this is where I feel sorry for Stephen Glass because once again it is a, a, a really disgraceful goal for us to concede, you know, as an Aberdeen fan, when you see goals of that manner going in, you think, what the hell are you doing in training? What the hell are you you know, speaking about, is there any communication going there? Is there anybody wanting to fight for that jersey that you are all wearing, that we as fans would take pride in wearing our, ourselves if we were on the pitch? There's just no fight, no desire, no effort to get in front of that shot, to block that shot. And that was for me the biggest takeaway of that goal. And it's just been the story of our season, especially over these last 10 games, is how cheap and how easy we are letting teams score against us. We haven't even taken the lead in a game since the fifteenth of August. For fuck's sake, you know it's just the stats are getting worse, and the run of games coming up are are not exactly favourable. And I think that's possibly why we saw the you know the tide turn in the way it did in the stands um, during that game because this was probably the game, and no disrespect to Dundee, was the game that we saw as three points to kickstart our season. And you know, if we can't get three points against the basement team, are we really expecting to go into Saturday and get three points?
1: No. (laughs) But I think you're right. I think you're right in that especially it's even more frustrating coming off the back of an international break as well a good time to regroup. And um, a few weeks on the training pitch, hopefully, to get things right, work on things that have been going wrong in this run of games, and it just seems to be the exact same again. But I think you're right, and obviously, we'll come on to it later. But at what point do you take hold the players accountable as well? Because, as you say, nobody willing to put a body on the line, and um, no one taking ownership, and it's just it is pathetic. There's no really, un- not really another word for it. There,
0: there's not, and it's just you're, you're almost. You know the manager ultimately will be held accountable for the results. But you're you're totally right. When do we start holding players responsible because they're the ones that are sent out to carry out his instructions? So are they? Have they? Or have they given up the ghost? You know we're going to come on to it shortly. But you're looking at the the so-called leaders on this this pitch, Gallagher was a captain at Motherwell, Ferguson's probably one of our most experienced players in terms of appearances for Aberdeen. Scott Brown came in and he was this supposed the dedicated leader. Where is that? I looked at what Dundee were doing and Charlie Adam was barking out instructions, pumping up the players, whipping up the crowd. see nothing from that from Aberdeen, just a whimper. And yet again, it's now 10 without, without victory and you know, it got to the point on Saturday during the three o'clock kickoffs, I was delighted the Ross County lost because it meant they didn't close the gap to us. Is this where we are just now in the season? You know, taking joy in, in losing the Mallard next season.
1: I know, that is really sad. That <laughs> We have to rely on that to prop us up. Um, I, take, I take no joy in losing the Mallards at all. And still, <laughs> if anything, if we both go down, I'll be happier. Yeah. Um, Obviously not. But I it is it is a sad state of affairs when you're looking at other teams to sort of prop us up um, and keep us away from that. Because a bit of a, yeah. a cushion, yeah. Yeah. It's it's not great. But it's this state of affairs just now.
0: It is. And I suppose when you go 2-0 down, you're looking for a reaction from the bench, you need something inspiring to, to change things up. You would have obviously walked out by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's be honest, you weren't the only one judging by the pictures. There was a, a fair exodus from the away end. But the substitutions that we went with was Marley Watkins for Johnny Hayes. And Niall McGinn for Funzo Ojo. For me, the probably most uninspiring change when you're 2-0 down away from home uh, and looking for something, I—I I mean, that's nothing against Niall McGinn for what the impact he had, if any, on the game. But you're just thinking, Luke, from what we've seen of Austin Samuels compared to what—or what little we've seen of Niall McGinn this season, it just did not make sense.
1: No, at that stage, again, it's totally nothing against Niall McGinn. But it's look at, you, mm-hmm. at that stage—you're probably looking to inject a bit of urgency into things, a bit of pace against a potentially uh, leggy Dundee side. And um, that obviously didn't happen and the decision to not even take on Samuels even later than that is just totally bizarre. <laughs> uh, I, I guess it'll be good to see Molly Watkins back in the mix. That's yeah.
0: What I, I mean, he just seemed to be a bit of a battering ram when he came on. I mean, he obviously got himself booked towards the end of the game, but I suppose the only shining light from this season so far outside of Calvin Ramsey has been Christian Ramirez, who continues his form in front of goal bagging his fourth league goal of the season and tapping in after a wonderful wonderful work from Jack McKenzie to to play a ball across the face of goal, which Christian Ramirez um, gleefully tapped home. And he's just sitting behind Martin Boyle and Liam Boyce, who both got six league goals, but obviously helped by the handful of penalties that both Ed and Reside seem to be getting awarded um, this season. So, you know, to have him sitting as third top goal scorer in the league shows, you know, his kind of maybe predatorial instincts, but does it show that we need to maybe improve chance creation to him? Because once again, I didn't understand he was a lone striker. It's not working him as a lone striker. Why are we persisting with
1: it? I don't know. And it's even worse when the players that are meant to be getting up and around and don't get up in support. And I think, yeah, essentially what I could take from the game is, uh, well, not the game, just recent, recent games, essentially Ramsey, McKenzie, probably, and Ramirez deserve better. Um, it would be interesting to see what would happen if we did get players up in support of Ramirez all the time and we did provide him that service, how many goals he could score. Because I think, again, I saw someone on Twitter, without the penalties, he'd be joint top goal scorer, which for someone in ninth is yeah. is pretty good. And it's someone who's not who's being starved of opportunities, essentially. And even mm-hmm. then, at a tight angle, he goes and takes the chance. Um, oh, God... Get some more firepower, please, in January. Whoever's in charge. And and I suppose the other tweet I saw was after the Pai and Bovril tweeted
0: the the form guide, which we are currently sitting bottom um, of the last six games, propped up with just the one point. And that's the one point handed to us, quite literally, by by Ross Laidlaw when he couldn't hold on to, let's be honest, a scuff from Johnny Hayes that Christian Ramirez gleefully tapped home as well. Mm. And, yeah, had it not been for that, we could be you know, in, in an even worse situation because obviously that would have been another couple of points for Ross County and take one off of us but you know, just just to finish up on the, the game itself, the game itself kind of descended into a bit of chaos after 2-1. The referee, who I've not really seen many times before and just looked way out of his depth, totally lost control of the second half, sending off Gordon Marshall which just... You know, sums up our indiscipline on the bench this season. You know, to go along with the countless bookings that Stephen Glass and uh, Apple, have picked up, and then James McPike strangely sent off uh, after a, an incident with Jack McKenzie when he was trying to res- retrieve the ball. I don't think McPike deserved to be sent off. Um, David McKay seemed to lash out at Jack McKenzie, as did Lee Griffiths, but mm. for some reason the referee decided it was um, James McPike that deserved to be to be sent off. So two two red cards for um, the respective benches as the game petered out and as the game petered out we decided to bring on J. Emmanuel Thomas for the last 90 seconds for Lewis Ferguson again a baffling decision that you know I've seen nothing if you I guess he was just being used as a target man for long balls up but he has no desire to jump really and no desire to chase back if he fails to win the ball so when you're losing a game you want someone that's going to come on and want to actually rescue a point
1: uh, Do you not forget that he was ready for war? Don't forget that. Um, but it doesn't—it doesn't make sense. Even if you are going to throw him on for uh, as a target man, what he's got ninety seconds. Like, how many times have you seen someone make an impact in such little yeah. time? So rarely. Um, and also on the on the red card situation. I mean, okay, Gordon Marshall, whatever. But the referee sending off James McPake when he's the one who didn't deserve to be sent off perhaps the other two, maybe he did. Mm-hmm. It didn't make any sense. I had no idea who the referee even was. But um, good to see Jack McKenzie fight, even though he did go down like a sack of But that's not the point. Um, at least he you know, showed a little bit of desire and a bit of urgency, which can more, is more than can be said for a lot of the rest of the team.
0: Yeah, and I saw um, Amy Lee Frauli tweeting out that Jack McKenzie was actually the only player to have the decency to go up to the away fans uh, and applaud their effort for you know backing the team once again. As you said, you know it's getting tougher in this situation, but um, you know it's great to see that at least somebody appreciates the support that the the club, uh, or sorry, the fans are giving to the club at this moment in time. But. <laughs> the fans did make their feelings known about the current situation with Chance of "Sat in the morning, you know, ringing out from both the home fans and away fans, it has to be said. It wasn't just solely from the away fans. Is those sort of chants coming from the away end a sign that the situation is becoming unrecoverable for Steven
1: Um Quite possibly. I think, well, definitely echoes the frustration that is obviously evident amongst fans Um, I, I don't, I, it's honestly so hard to tell. I don't know what's going to happen given, I mean, Mr. Cormac, as we said, has gone silent. Um, I think he'll still back him to the help for whatever reason. It's just, there's so much questions and so little answers around the whole thing right now. Um, obviously Football is a fickle sport, and if we go and then meet mm. Hibs, things will be turning around and he'll be the Messiah. Well, not the Messiah again, but you know what I mean. People will be inclined um, to have a bit more faith in him. Um, mm-hmm. But that's obviously a big if going and getting something from the Hibs game. I would take anything from the Hibs game at this stage. Yeah, and I think that
0: you know it's a shame because you know he said he's you know he's heard the chance being you know being sung, and but he appreciates that's the pressure that comes with being in charge of, of Aberdeen, and he knows find well that the results have not been good enough. And I suppose his post-match comments, um, the image, you know, we, we quoted them, uh, the, the tweet that came out from Ben Palmer, so you can find that on our Twitter at RTG underscore podcast. Um, you know, he almost seems resigned to his fate. You know, the fact that results aren't going the right way, we're conceding the same sort of goals. And, you know, the manner of the goals that we're conceding isn't something... I suppose he can do once the players cross that white line. Mm-hmm. Are we needing to see a bit of step up of responsibility from the defense and players that are playing currently? Because I look at the way the midfield went, and that's the second game, you know, where Scott Brown's kind of been bullied out a game. The Motherwell game was probably another example where didn't really stamp his authority. And then yeah, Charlie Adams got him in his back pocket on Saturday. It's not really the look we were going for, was
1: it? Not at all. I, I think you're you're right when you say that when he you know crosses when the players cross that white line, they need to have their own sort of responsibility and things. And um, yeah, that's at some points they've got they've got to be held accountable too. I think you're right. And um, look at Scott Brown. I, I don't think recently we've perhaps seen you know when in these sort of runs of form you'd like to think he'd be the type of person when the back's up against the wall to get the team going <clears> again i don't think we have seen that it. obviously it's not just up to him at all and perhaps maybe he has also been stretched too thin regarding the player coach sort of thing but mm-hmm. um it is it, a concern perhaps something um uh, well that needs addressed will it be addressed who knows but um you'd like to st- think we will be able to get more out of Scott Brown, even at his age, Um, because even though if his legs go or whatever, you'd like to think he still has those leadership qualities and things, which we aren't really seeing so much just now.
0: And I suppose it's all well and good being short and, you know, short and chirpy to the media as he was in the pre-match. Um, press conference that, you know, a lot of the fans, you know, buy into when he was, you know, just giving back one word answers because he didn't want to, you know, build up a media storm of pressure around the game. It's all well and good doing that, but if you can't back it up on the pitch well, you kind of look a bit stupid. You know, I don't know if Cormac thinks the fans are stupid when, you know, and I think his comments around the appointment of Stephen Glass are now what is going to come back and bite him ultimately. The fact that he said Stephen Glass was the outstanding candidate and it was a rigorous recruitment process well if Stephen Glass was the outstanding candidate then who the fuck else applied for the job and how rigorous was that recruitment process was it only candidates that were currently staying in Atlanta was that the only recruitment uh, candidates that we went through because it's looking really silly and you know look, I do feel sorry for Stephen Glass I would love to see it work out for him Mm -hmm. but things aren't clicking and when the fact that we're being thankful that Ross County are losing at the weekend to keep a five point gap between us and the bottom of the table and we're now searching and thinking when the hell are we actually going to end this bar and run of form that we're on? Questions have got to be answered but dare they be taken out of context Mr Cormac? I mean I'm not expecting after every bad result him to come out and you know back the manager but fans are going to start wanting answers because people are viewing this as an experiment a project and it's it's, it's not going going
1: well just now I would agree I think it was probably a high risk high reward kind of uh, appointment which we're seeing high risk we're not seeing high reward right now and mm. um, I do I agree I feel sorry for Stephen Glass I think it's not really his fault it's I was offered the Aberdeen job. I have taken it as well. I mean, I mean, based on your football manager
0: career, you, you you could have easily been offered the Aberdeen job.
1: Well, yes, very true. And there will be football manager videos back on my channel. Link's in the description. Once the new game is out, get subscribing. Uh, thanks, Glenn. But, no um, I I I'd also, do, obviously, my, he does this, every manager should be afforded time. I think often they're not. It's a result of business, I guess. I get that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. But now we're sort of at a stage where we're not even seeing the signs of like something being there. We're sort of all regressing a little bit. And um, that's mm-hmm. when the concern sort of really kicks in for me.
0: Yeah, and I suppose the concern as well is is how much more time do you afford this project if results aren't going to improve? because we are coming up against a, a tough run of fixtures, you know. Even looking past the next three, you've then got Motherwell at home, Dungeon United away, who are considerably improved. And it's just beggars belief that after the first day of the season, if you told me that Dungeon United would be sitting in third and we'd be languishing in ninth, I think everybody that was up to you that they would have laughed in your face. But they've you know managed to pull a string of results together. They've shored up their defence brilliantly, not conceding. And OK, they're just... Saturday aside, you know, winning games one nil, they're picking up points. We're not, and then you know, it's a it's a trip to to Parkhead to round off that next round of six fixtures. It's going to be tough, and I suppose you know, many people said you'll get to Christmas, but at this rate, I'm not even sure if you'll see out October.
1: Uh, yeah, the the run of fixtures aren't easy. Right now, there's sort of no easy games for. Aberdeen Club de football which is a bit of bit annoying um, but you know it it does it doesn't look great it looks pretty bleak I mean as I say obviously if we go out and get a result against Hibs there will be sort of belief in some way again it buys in um, time doesn't it does it if, you, exactly, if we get a result exactly and also then if you get well yeah you get a result against Hibs then you know the fans will be up for a bit more the players will be up for a bit more um, and yeah we'll we'll go and get a result, a result yeah yeah and then it's no problem and then there's a snowball effect but <laughs> weirdly that is sort of the way football works after 10, 10 bad results if he goes say we go and beat Hibs even in a terrible game and we scrape a 1-0 and then we go to Ibrox and somehow house a point and that's brilliant and then the whole thing's turned around um, not saying that will happen but I mean you guess, but that, but
0: I suppose that is just the fickleness of football that if we were to go and get a couple of positive results mm-hmm. you know things start look rosy it's totally right but when we can't see that coming from what we've seen over the last 10 games. You know, obviously there is going to be these overreactions, you know, possibly, but, you know, folks saying that we are in, you know, a potential relegation scrap, we could go down. You know, you don't want to say we're too big to go down. You just need to look at Hearts and Hibs as prime examples of clubs that think they're too big to go down and spend time in the championship. But we need to make sure that we don't get dragged into the mire of a relegation scrap and I suppose the fact that I was now looking at what Ross County's next three fixtures are to to see if they'll be able to close the gap um, and I was speaking to to Victoria today who joined me on the, the preview show to say well I hope Dundee get a win in two weeks time against Ross County because we need that gap you know maintained and I suppose I think it's either St Mirren or Livingston that Ross County play this weekend uh, if it's Livingston then two teams directly below us benefits us that, well, Livingston could go above us and drag us down even further, but mm. it, it's not nice the fact that we're in this position of looking behind our shoulder instead of looking up the table up where we could be climbing into top six and
1: fighting for Europe. <laughs> I mean, that seems like a very, very, very long way away um, just now, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, a, a ridiculous um, way away. So, I suppose that the final question on on the weekend's action is is what now? Is it a case of we see out the next three to six fixtures and see where we are?
1: I think that is what's going to happen. Um, I think Cormac will give him that um, anyway. I don't. I I, I guess I, I don't really know what should happen though, because obviously it is a terrible run of form. It is horrendous. Let's not sugarcoat it. But it is a big run of fixtures and again, as we've said, if you can get a couple of results in Overdor Sudden, there is hope there and there is a bit of positive positivity about the place. But big ifs. Very, very big ifs. Um, but I think we will I think we will see him afforded those games anyway. Um, I think the I think
0: the biggest risk is that we don't get dragged into by let's say you know christmas time cuz um if we were you know languishing still 9th 10th and there's only a couple of points between us in the say, relegation playoff or bottom spot you're then probably forcing Cormac's hand to go and spend big to get us out of mm-hmm. what is a, a really poor situation. Probably something he doesn't want to do, um, based on you know current financial situation that is is going on with focuses of maybe trying to put money elsewhere into new stadiums or and whatnot. But you know he said he'll back Stephen Glass. We'll uh, see if that happens in January if, if Glass is still around. I unfortunately don't think he'll be afforded those six games. I think failure to failure to pick up, let's say, four points out of our next three games, um, would see him gone. I, I I think as I think the animosity that has been started to be come from the crowd will become too much. Um, you know, obviously we're we're away to speak about the the Hibs game on Saturday with the. Politically motivated decision to say that there's going to be less than ten thousand people turning up for these games. Well, I think you know, based on current results, that probably be the case, and um, but we might see that extend further on into the season if these results continue.
1: I would definitely agree. And um, interesting you say about the four points in sort of the next three games. I think there might be an ego stopping that happening, and. Sort of this is my man we're gonna see it out kind of thing well that's my concern
0: Mm -hmm. that we are not a play piece for mr cormac despite how nice your teeth look um Mm -hmm. like at the end of the day, this is a club that us as fans, you know, live and breathe. And, you know, you touched on it as well. You know, we pay our money regardless to travel up and down the country. And, you know, there'll be those of you that are tuning in that, you know, put extra money in through the DNA projects. There'll be maybe some of you that are even shareholders or whatnot. his ego should not outweigh the club. Just because it is a project, I hope he has the balls to admit that he is wrong. If he doesn't Fans are going to turn very quickly on him, not just Stephen Glass, because it was all well and you know both. Let's be honest, both me and you, well bought into what he was saying at the start of the season, glass ball and whatnot. He talks a good game, but at the end of the day, fans aren't mugs, and that's why I, I harp back to the the comments around the recruitment process on Stephen Glass. They're going to come back to bite him very badly if things don't improve very quickly because, look, Dave, fans aren't fucking idiots.
1: What a positive (laughs) note to end it on before Michael joins us. Well, it's fucking true, Luke.
0: You know, we're getting frustrated at what's going on, and, you know, if he just wants to tweet out that he, you know, things won't get taken out of context, well, we'll just go back and find quotes that you've found previously and look into them instead but let's hope that we're not discussing the manager's future even more after the weekend's game and uh, yes I'm sure Michael who's going to join us to to preview the Hibs game will not rub the boot in too much. And as we said joining us for the Hibs preview returning as always to speak all things Hibs is Michael Monin. Michael thanks for getting out of bed to join us. Yeah, you're welcome. That makes a nice change from you slumping in your bed. You look like you're actually at a desk for the first time. Well, that's it. My first uh, desk
2: experience for the RTG underscore podcast uh, career. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, well take this, you seriously. Yeah, well, I hope folk take you seriously as well as uh, Aberdeen entertain Hibernian Football Club club this weekend as the Hybees travel north and there's only going to be 800 uh, Hibs fans in attendance due to, as we've just touched on the political motivated decision to um, only allow or, or say there's going to be under 10,000 fans in attendance, now Obviously we've touched on that's probably gonna be down to a poor runner form that might affect the, the home fans attendance. But but Michael, it's it's a bit of a shame and I think, you know, from a financial point of view from, from Aberdeen, kinda of shooting ourselves in the foot by only restricting the away fans to, to eight hundred. It's disgraceful.
2: It's a am- <laughs> it's, it's a, an absolute disgrace. And <clears throat> it's only because he's tried Cormac's try to play at the galleries to deflect how badges have been on the park by trying to get people on side with us because it's quite a contentious issue eh, the vaccine passport. so if you were playing well this wouldn't be a thing because there wouldn't be a problem with you getting 10,000 people if you are in form and 800 fans for an away team is a disgrace and it's only going to make things worse for Aberdeen fans to try to get other stadiums because why are we going to give
0: you a full stand when we only got 800 off of you? True, and I suppose, Calm, it's an interesting point. You know, uh, you know the prices that we're charging heads, hearts. You know, nearly thirty pound for for an adult ticket. You know, we we just touched on there about you know current finances and that. Can we really be affording to? to stop fans attending games and what are we going to do from a home fan point of view? Because other than the games that were restricted so far this season, which I think was just the Dundee United game, all our home attendances have been over 10,000. So are we just going to stop the normal fan that does not have a season ticket from from buying when we reach a certain point? Or are we just going to suddenly announce the, the attendance and say, oh, look at that, look, as if by magic.
1: Mm. It does seem it seems very odd. I think especially I like, think given the Hibs form as well, they probably bring a very decent crowd and especially when you're charging them quite a lot of money. Um we are shooting ourselves in the foot and it seems silly just to avoid a few vaccine passport checks, which you know, I don't even know. I, I've have you been to any events where that's been a I'm yeah. just I was just about to no. say
2: that um firstly we sold that allocation in four hours. Mm. Right? That's so good. we would we would take double that.
0: Mm. I think easily, yeah.
2: And because we usually, how many does that stand hold that's well, that uh, section? I think it's it about like two 2, a to three thousand. Yeah. So we we would usually get that. We wouldn't always sell it, but we would get it. Mm-hmm. But we would, we always take at least 1,200 fans, 1,300 fans. So why yeah. don't we only get 800? That's the first thing. And then secondly, we, our game on Saturday was subject to, um, they said that they were trialing the COVID passport thing. The, that never happened. Yeah, like the, not that I saw anyway maybe because I, I turned up for kickoff, so maybe they'd given up by that point but there was
0: nothing of the sort going on so, yeah, so it was the same at Hamden last week right, it, was, exactly. it wasn't even tried but you know just doing a bit of quick maths so if you based it on another 800 Hibs fans turning up for the Hibs game for the of the five. weekend uh, yeah, you're at 25 pound a ticket. You're you're turning away an extra 20 grand, and you're looking at in a few weeks' time we're going to have Hearts coming up to Tordy. You know they're still unbeaten in the league and probably would bring just as strong a support as Hibs do. You know it's just mind-boggling that we're turning away nearly you know 50,000 pounds from these. These clubs, because we want to to find a loophole that will, you know, prevent some some checks going in going in place. It it's just a, it's a strange one, and I think it's not fair on you know the match day going fans um, that would go in. It is going to ultimately affect home and away fans, and I think Michael, you know, you raise a very good point because, Calum, we go to Hibs the weekend before Christmas. Mm-hmm. That is going to be an away day that most of us look forward to regardless how shit we're, we are come December time um, and and I think yeah it's going to be a shame that we will likely see a you know response from Hibs cutting our allocation for that game
1: yeah I mean we've seen going there in previous years at times selling out the full stand and now it probably will be cut I and mean, as you say it's a very desirable uh, away day a Saturday in December um, in the gear up to Christmas people in the festive spirit and um, uh, I and mean, we will just shoot ourselves in the foot by it, our allocation will, allocation will likely be reduced, perhaps with time Castle as well in future. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just it's all. It's didn't, none of it seems to make much sense, you know, in my it, opinion. It's
2: also if we win the semi final against Rangers.
1: I was yeah, going to yeah. say this
0: is also um, hoping that you um, shit the bed against Rangers at Hamden that would mean never
2: being fan. wanting Rangers to win?
0: Not at all. I just want a good day out before Christmas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, let's take a look at his start to the season Michael Uh, a very positive start so far albeit um, two defeats in a row a controversial defeat at Ibrox um, which saw Ryan Porteus uh, set off in controversial fashion followed by Dungeon United's first win in Leith since 2014 as they swept aside Jack Ross' aside 3-0 seeing the Bees slump to 5th in the table but overall you must be fairly content with how Hibs have started the season Yep,
2: absolutely I think we've been I, I mean the Hydrox game I think because we were all over them till till Ryan Portsmouth got sent off for winning the ball yeah. and then um, then we just capitulated really uh, but 10 men against, ten men at Ibrox when we had no fans there just we were sitting ducks really and then the Dundee Night game I don't know what went wrong there that was the worst honestly I, that is the worst I've seen Hibs play since Terry Butcher and that is a long That's time a so and yeah. that that is a long time and that is a lot of Bad performances in there, and it was worse than them all. <laughs> uh, but I think, I think you're, I think you're, I think, you all, you're all o- a bad performance every now and then.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, you're not gonna. You're We're not, just gonna, doing ten of them in a row yeah. so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll rephrase. I think you can still be a good team and play bad every now and then, right? <laughs> um, I th- I think that. Um, I just think we were really bad for the beginning, and we never, never even looked like doing anything of any note. And Dundee United could have won by more,
0: to be honest. Yeah, and I suppose Callum, going into this game, you know, we've we spoke about how we've been handing teams first wins of the season, and there's been inevitability of certain players scoring, whether it be Stevie May or Lee Griffiths. Does it feel inevitable to you that Martin Boyle is going to pop up and find the back of the net this weekend after our audacious bid in the summer to lure him back home?
1: He'll probably throw himself to the ground in spectacular fashion, win a penalty, then proceed to score the penalty. That's probably what's going to happen. It, you're right, it has that inevitable feel against, uh, about it, as we said about the Griffiths um, school and, as you mentioned, Stevie May too. Curtis um, May and all. Yeah, oh God, don't remind me. Uh, thanks, well, he didn't technically uh, get awarded the goal, but... Yeah, just <laughs> shut up, um, But no, yeah, it does, it does have that sort of uh, inevitable feeling about it as... Uh, it'll be a penalty. It, it's just, you put your house on it.
0: Yeah, Tom Daly would be proud of his efforts um, flying into the box at the weekend. But, mm. but Michael, I suppose from a Hibs point of view, just how valuable has Martin Boyle been to Hibbs this season and just showing what a key player he can be when he stays fit. I think I think this will be our last season with him. Really? Yeah,
2: he's been unbelievable. Do
0: you think you'll even manage to hold on to him in January?
2: Yeah, I think we'll keep we'll keep him for the summer, unless unless it's stupid though. But uh, I think I, th- I think we're very lucky to have him. And <coughs> Cause he's he's every time he gets the ball, he looks like we look like we've got a score. Mm. But he just gets Foot just take him out now though, that's the thing. As soon as he gets the ball and runs yeah. it someday, somebody's mm. taking him out. And he didn't get any protection for the refs either. Martin Boyle got taken out three or four times maybe in the first half on Saturday. Nothing. Not even a card. Martin Boyle pulls one of their players back, yellow card first fill. in like the eightieth minute. I'd left by this point, but I got told that, that happened. Uh, sure. But they just I don't mean it just for him. I just mean in general uh, players that. That's why Scottish football never has any like silky players because they just get mm. taken out and they get no protection at
0: all. Yeah, no, it's, it's a fair point I suppose. Um, adding to mm. to Hibbs' goal threat this season, or you know, strike force has been the return of Scott Allen. And um, obviously, he was subject to a deadline day move to St Mirren, which ended up falling through. But he's. Ended up, you know, coming into a good run of form, and and obviously you've got you've got Kevin Nisbet as well. It, it must be refreshing having so many attacking options. Well, Kevin nisbet has been a ghost, so we can remove
2: him for that. Um, <laughs> Scott Allen is with his with the problem was with, uh, with his his heart and stuff and his diabetes. He's not really he's not the same player anymore because he can't run to the same extent. So mm. when we have the ball, he's brilliant, but when if he's not in control of the game he's a man done because he can't he can't track back or do anything like that anymore mm. which is a shame he's good to have
0: but he's he's not what he was yeah um, and you know michael says that kevin nisbet's been a bit of a ghost we can probably discount him callum i think we know what that means now for saturday
1: oh yeah uh, he's nailed on to score as well. Um, can't wait for that. Looking forward to that. And then Michael will be so smug. Um, brilliant. What more?
2: Nah, I, I think. No, nah, will probably be a bit harsh on uh, on this, but I think he's he's not suited to being a lone striker. Mm. He needs. Mm. And he's missed Dodge. We've missed Dodge, by the way, but he's missed him in particular mm. um, because he he needs somebody to to do the the stuff that Dodge does. He's and the service term has been. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't try to get. He doesn't. He doesn't go out of his way to try and get the ball. Mm-hmm. So if he, unless the ball is played to him or in a position for him to go and get, it, he's no. He's not going to run thirty yards to try and get the ball
0: back. Yeah, and I suppose Callum, though, like just even mentioning the likes in this bit, Alan Boyle, these attacking players that have got pace to, you know, frighten any defence. It's going to frighten an Aberdeen defence that's only kept one competitive clean sheet, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think our defense is. I think we saw that probably uh, on Saturday against The our defense is bad enough without you know players in such good form such as uh, Martin Boyle with sort of that sort of directness that we've been lacking mm. in particular uh, yeah. as well. So it, it does it does raise a lot of concerns. And um, my confidence going into this game is not very high whatsoever. Um, and I'm sure you probably share that same that same thoughts Glenn I don't know how about you Michael after that um, that performance at the weekend mind you
2: no I think I think for me personally Mm -hmm. I need to be very careful what I say
1: okay
0: in case Comes by, it by, yeah. badly <laughs> <laughs> well it was funny because at the you know in the Dundee review part that we did earlier in the show you know I had all these positive stats lined up about how our recent record at Dundee you know the 12 straight wins over them in the league and no league defeats at Den since 2004 and how that's all gone badly wrong but equally Hibs have got a, a rather atrocious record up at Petaudry uh, I don't think they've actually won uh, up here since 2007 I believe it is we won the um, last game okay we'll cut that back out we did a watch along okay well ignore my rubbish stats that michael has quickly corrected and put me in my place but apart from that win which yes we did do a watch along for and we are hoping to do another watch along um for the game at ibrox uh, next week so so stay tuned for that keep an eye out on that because i'm sure that will go terrifically well um but yeah, hips don't have, in general, a good record up at Potaldry, do they,
2: Michael? No.
0: No, we don't. Um,
2: I have been off a couple of draws. There's one draw, the no no one, when uh, Jamie McLaren missed the penalty, and Joel mm-hmm. Lewis was at the penalty spot before Jamie McLaren got there. Um good to see her still not over it. And then we've been beat on a couple of Friday nights. Mm-hmm.
0: we we'll
2: yeah, well, well yeah, that night. Um, and then the Gary Mackay Steven one. And then oh, yeah. the one at Christmas time when we played you a week before Christmas, £30 a ticket, half past twelve kickoff on a Saturday and we were three 0 down after forty minutes. We had those daft hats on. <laughs> yeah, which you kindly threw over to Callum at the fence. <laughs> yeah, they needed my hat. They needed it. Um yeah, so no our records are dismal, really.
0: And, so and towards
1: that, Sorry, it's all pointing towards that other Hemsworth and isn't it?
0: Yeah, and I suppose that's what I was gonna say. You know, given the you know the all all stats pointing towards something favourable for Aberdeen, the way our season's been going just indicates we should probably have a degree of cautious optimism maybe for this game.
1: I don't even have cautious optimism for this game. I have none. No optimism, I'm just cautious, that's all. Yeah. Um, that's the only thing that I'm going to this game. Um, it would. Uh, who knows? I honestly don't know what to expect from this Aberdeen team uh, anymore uh, other than not much essentially um, any optimism I had maybe a month ago uh, it's basically now been sapped after Saturday so it probably would be sod's law that after me saying all this well, I'll be made to look stupid by Stephen Glass's uh, tricky reds Well that's um, fine because after me looking stupid about two minutes
0: ago it would be great if you could you know, Philip and look stupid as well. Oh, it's
1: very possible, it's always possible me looking stupid.
0: <laughs> but no, it makes it a laugh, Luke. And um, I suppose, you know, for having no optimism, the point I made about the Dundee game um, pre match was how vulnerable Dundee looked from wing play and ex- exploiting their wing backs uh, defensively really poor. And for those that, like Michael, have watched Hibs constantly this season. Um, or have maybe tuned into the State of Scottish Football show that, that I also do on a on Monday night, um, will have probably seen that or heard of the fact that Hibs have an obsession of conceding goals from crosses this season. Now, we didn't do our homework against Dundee and didn't exploit the fullbacks and and you know use that that pace that we that we have. Hopefully we're gonna do our homework this weekend and be able to swing a good ball into the box. Alan Russell, I'm looking at your coaching for set pieces in particular, and exploit a Hibbs defense that seems to be quite vulnerable at crosses. Is that is that fair to say, Michael?
2: Yeah, it's really annoying. <laughs> We lose the same goal every week, and it's and it. The thing, the thing, that annoys me the most, right, is Jack Ross was a fullback when he played. So surely, of
0: anybody to understand how to defend a cross, it would be him. And surely, with a keeper that's about six foot, you'd like to see him come and command commanders box.
2: See the game, see the game that we uh, when we did the preview when I was in my bed, mm-hmm. and I said to you that I was not convinced about Matt Macy.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: he is allergic to coming off his line honestly he's 6 foot 7 and he doesn't come off his line what wait what, why and it's always and it'll be the ball coming in the 6 yard box and it just doesn't it just stay, it stays there and it's like come and command your area that's what we bought you for
0: well, you saw that in the I suppose the winner at uh, Ibrox when he doesn't come and command the box for the cross and then flaps it into the back of the net. So we'll be looking for more of the same this weekend with you know, we've seen how good Christian Ramirez can attack a ball into the box, Callum. I suppose we didn't get the break in the terms of the the chance he had in the first half we maybe just need that little bit of luck or that little bit of flappiness that, that certainly seems to come from Hibs keepers whenever they visit Um So we need a, a, a bit of a turn a turn of fortune.
1: I think we do. And uh, going by Michael's words, I obviously admittedly have not seen much of Matt Macy, but um, it sounds like if we're going to get anyone uh, to perhaps hand us a goal or do us a favour, it might be this man, Having said that, now knowing my luck, he might pull out the performance of a world yeah. um, oh, Michael,
2: Michael, were you going to say that? No, I was, just, I'm, I'm not, I, was, I was not going to say that. I was just got to say that he's, he's a good shot. But I think all goalkeepers are good shot stoppers at a professional I, level. It's, a, it's never, such a stupid thing to say. Yeah. I know I've, I've just never understood it. That. I know I've just said <laughs> it. But it's such a stupid thing that people say that, oh, the goal is a good shot like, Well, he should be. That's why he's a goal. It's, it's their job. Yeah, it's, a, it's an
0: expression I've never understood.
1: Yeah, well, at least well, we're all together on that one, I guess. And it's distribution,
0: That's... don't get me, oh my God.
1: Okay, well, hopefully we've seen our goalkeepers pass the ball out a few times um, just to rogue attack, and so hopefully Matt Mason will do favour in that, but I don't have any confidence that we'll actually capitalise on such a thing.
0: No, and it'll be interesting to see what changes we make from the weekend column. We didn't see Austin Samuels, whether or not he's fit enough to return Ross McCrory, another that missed out through illness and injury. Are you expecting to see changes from, from the team that started the game on Saturday and going into this weekend's game?
1: Um, I think so. I mean, we. I don't think there's much benefit from randomly chopping and changing when you're in this sort of run of form and hope that something sticks. I guess there has to be some sort of consistency. But when we are that bad, uh, I would like to see Austin Samuels come in. Will we see Jet come in? That, no. Do you hope not? Absolutely not. Um, But I suppose it's a a
0: point that me and Victoria made on the the preview show about both Aberdeen and Dundee failing to have settled 11s and I think that's a a good point you make, Callum, because it's possibly a a factor that is kind of working against us just now, especially if you look at uh, defensively, it was another change in in the defensive centre-back pairing. But even up front, we spoke in the the start of the season in the European games about the partnership Ramirez and Jet could work up. Ramirez is hardly getting a partnership to to work on just now because it's the the wingers are changing every game and we just can't get a settled side. And I fully expect it to be a different starting eleven that that started the game at at Dens that that takes to the field at Petodre because the things aren't working and yes, we do need something to change, but I, I, I'm struggling to find out what it's going to be, and we are going to come on to our our team lines. Uh, and Michael, I suppose Hibs will be looking for a similar form of consistency that that they had before this this recent blip. I think it's fair to call it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, blip. I I think the Rangers game. I think that's an isolation, right? I think that's. I don't. I don't. I I never. Ex- I expected us to win there. I don't the absolutely, that was that was a shambles. <laughs> but that I, I, I would say, I would say, I would say that uh, we should hopefully get back to where we were prior to the Ipswich game.
0: Right, so as a popular segment that has transpired with our opposition pundits, if we can call Michael a pundit at this rate, um, we're going to go through the starting 11. So, Michael, uh, we'll let you have the honours and take it away with your um, Hibs 11. Right.
2: Uh, Matt Mason, go.
0: Despite you slating him heavily. We've got nobody else.
2: Paul McGinn. With mm-hmm. uh, Hanlon Doig. Uh, back four that is uh, yeah. then midfield three of Jake Doyle Hayes Joe Newell and Scott Allen mm-hmm. and then uh, Jamie Murphy Martin Boyle and Kevin Lisbon Is
1: that Jamie Murphy even though he was wildly appealing offside uh, for the Dundee United goal, Mate, what was that about? Can
2: we go on this <laughs> segment because that annoyed me he played the guy <laughs> onside he, the he, no, he played the guy onside and was like to the line he was like he was offside I was like I was shouting, I was like me. It was you playing him on.
1: Absolutely, Miles. I thought possibly, maybe we didn't see from like the sports highlights yeah. possibly that he was like off the pitch when it happened, but yeah. clearly, think like that was. He's doing, doing a
2: walnut, shouting at the lineup.
0: <sighs> oh
1: god! Yeah. Don't get the impression man.
0: Callum, it's a very, very attacking lineup that Michael's named there. Certainly, your likes are Murphy, Boyle, and and the hips midfield's been very strong this season. If that was to be the the eleven that transpired to take the field, I would be be pretty worried about our the Aberdeen team that would go up against them.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, I would one hundred percent agree. And um, it especially the front three. Obviously, Michael's not be very complimentary of uh, a certain <laughs> Kevin is, but we will, we do know what he is capable of. Um, regardless, and if there's any defence that are going to give uh, afford him such a chance, uh, it will be ours. Um, mm. And obviously, we've perhaps. Place emphasis on our midfield this season, you know, look at Ferguson, uh, Brown, but they haven't really, you know, put in the performances we would perhaps like of them and as you say, it's been key for him at midfield. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just growing increasingly concerned the more we talk about this. Um, It's not fun. It's not and uh, I'm just glad that the
0: doing the Michael 11 didn't take about 700 takes, mm. There's no pressure on the Aberdeen 11 that me and you are going to try and combine together for.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, combine together for, goodness me, here we go. Glenn, who would yeah. you have in goals to start off with first of
0: all? Um, well we touched on, he's not really done much apart from picking the ball out of the net mm. and he's not really been tested but I think in this game he'll definitely be tested but uh, I'm going to stick with Gary Woods for another game.
1: I think that is fair Um, I mean I wouldn't be surprised to see Joel Lewis come back in uh, given since dropping him things haven't gone very well either but um, I don't think he has done too much wrong Uh, but Michael I know you definitely want Joel Lewis to play don't you? Play both of them Play both of them (laughs) Well, I think we need that to be fair It's the only way we're going to keep a clean sheet at this rate this season (laughs) Um, Defence column I think picks itself really Um, probably does yeah you probably go Ramsey, McKenzie fullbacks, obviously and um, I guess Gallagher and Bates because well will McCrory be back who knows and Constantine is unfortunately not with us and Devlin doesn't exist anymore so that's great
0: yeah so we're going to continue with that with a back four with playing high fullbacks, brilliant to get exposed by the pace of Martin Boyle Uh, well that will
1: be what happens despite If if he doesn't want we don't want it to happen that will be what happens so
0: yeah, and I suppose, Michael, it's probably something that maybe Jack Ross will have looked at from the weekend's game, the way Lee Griffiths played off the shoulder of David Bates, and he'll probably just give that role to Martin Boyle.
2: By the way, how far
0: offside was Lee
2: Griffiths? Well, uh, I whether or not... In, I, I thought he was in paradise, he was that far <laughs> offside. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I would, I'd like to think so. I would like to think so. But uh, I, think, I, think, I think we'll have a lot of the ball anyway. Probably.
0: That'll be interesting because it's a it's a possession based style of play that we like to, to keep. You know the results aren't going our way, but we seem to be winning the possession um, stats anyway. So something Get in to our trophy cabinet. And Callum, what about midfield? This is going to be the interesting one, given what we were saying in the in the preview uh, segment there about Scott Brown's maybe lack of leadership in recent weeks. Mm-hmm. It, it's not really a game that we can drop him for, is it?
1: Um, no, not really. I think I know, none of these fixtures really coming up are. Um, I think perhaps you would like you would like to see him dropped, would you, Glenn? Mm. Um, well,
0: yeah, I was going to play Ross McCrory in there instead of Scott Brown if McCrory is fit and fighting, but can you really afford to drop your captain instead of... I-
1: Especially Orange. when you dropped your other, you know, the club cap yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're running out of people to drop here. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think he will. I think Brown will play. Um, sort of again of that kind of magnitude where we will turn to him, um, despite you know maybe not being as effective as we'd hoped so far this season. Um, yeah. So I think Brown will obviously keep his place. Uh, likewise, Ferguson, and then it leaves the other centre-mid spot really.
0: Also, you what
1: are you going for a four in midfield or a three? I think go. I think a four three three baby, and uh, I think probably o, maybe Ojo in the middle, and then I would like Hedges, Ramirez, Samuels. That's what I would like.
0: I like it. I like it. Um, I did not afford Ojo a place in the team, but wow. I did Mike um, did our Michael and miscounted my starting eleven, um, mm. hence the retake. So uh, we'll just stick with the I had a full starting 11 on my piece of paper and we'll go with what you've gone for because I've already given you enough editing work for this episode. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll of course seem
1: seamless to the viewers, I hope.
0: Absolutely, as always. Um, and yes, Michael, it has been a bit of a shambles, but that's the story of the Aberdeen season so fun. far. And we were giving a light-hearted take ahead of the weekend because it's been quite a serious uh, first half of the, the show looking at the, the problems but I'm strangely looking I think I'm more looking forward to catching up with you Michael yeah. at the weekend that's, that's uh, rather than the, the game itself that's why I've been very very careful about what I've said because mm. if we get beat I'm going
2: him. I'm oh, telling enough, <laughs> <laughs> enough.
1: it'll be unbearable though if him helps up. no
2: I actually won't bite me I'm not actually that bad I'll just be like opening pleasantries I'll be about the game and then I'll move on
1: okay um,
0: well, we will see what this is even mm-hmm.
1: their patronising. true
0: <laughs> true although you never know depending on how the game goes someone already might have around waiting for for the other by oh. by the time full time comes
2: <laughs> a pint of your tears would be lovely
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i'm sure me and Colin <laughs> would ha- rather have it the other way around but michael as always it's been a pleasure having you on red tinted glasses Go. to look ahead to the game at the weekend cheers thank you thanks very much there to michael Monin for joining us for the preview there, a rather light-hearted, entertaining loop, which I think was maybe much needed after the seriousness um, and kind of misery that we found ourselves in, Carl.
1: I don't think I could talk to, um, in the same manner for much longer um, after that, the Dundee review. So yeah, I think a light-hearted preview of the game, perhaps before maybe a light-headed review, depending on when we record it. <laughs> very true
0: yeah but thanks again for those of you tuning into the latest episode just remember to hit that follow like subscribe button whatever it is you haven't already pressed make sure to press it and thank you all for your continued support